Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lost in the Groove with your host, Mike and Dave. Today, we'll be talking about life, society, as well as we can make things better, start a new day for a better tomorrow. Let's continue with the intro music so we can start today's podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to Lost in the Groove. Uh, this is season three. Woo! Ten episodes, sweat, blood, and tears. I don't know about the tears, but it was a lot of blood. But we are now finally here. First episode of the season. We are going to be covering pretty much an entire summary of medicinal plants, full of bureaucracy behind it, explaining different products, different compounds, how they work. And most importantly, being able to give you guys the information that you can be able to get the right products that you need. This is the whole purpose of this season, and we are so happy to continue this. And let's see how this goes. Like always, guys, you can check us out on Patreon, which is Lost in the Groove. And like always, our sponsor today is Anchor. Uh, Being the fact that I have zero idea about any of this because i don't work in the cannabis or cbd industry mike actually does so mike is going to be our guru our dalai lama for this season so dalai lama mike would you like to uh give an introduction yes sorry i'm having some vape problems here it's like blinking at me it's really, really annoying when this happens just like really right now this is the worst possible time for this to be happening but yeah it's an exciting season this, this is an area i've been in for um many years like six seven years i've uh like as soon as i went down the rabbit hole i um i started discovering all kinds of things i would hear about recommendations people would share um you know things that they would discover and i'm like wow there's a world of so many uh plant-based solutions uh that um are out there we're not educated about it um some of, of it not. useful some of it useful some of it not some of it completely um just hidden away uh and uh some of it obviously um patented worked on in labs and uh where they try to figure out a way to synthesize and uh be able to control the the manufacturing and just mean like k2 you mean like k2 that stuff is bad I remember, I remember that when I was in high school in Brooklyn, K2 was really big in Brooklyn because yeah. it was like very cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> and all the, <clears throat> all the drug dealers, they had all that stuff. Oh yeah. You know what you're talking about, right? Like any of those, whatever category um, or whatever like label they would give them, they would always put colorful packaging for it. Uh, like Super Mario Brothers, but really like sick art on them. I mean, uh, synthetic cannabinoids, that's what they were. And they're just so addictive and so brutal um, uh, uh, towards the user. It, it was... Here's the here's the worst part. So, in New York, they were lacing it with heroin to save yeah. money on cost. I believe So, it. I remember there were people that I knew that had family members that were in comas and hospitals. They were lacing... Oh. They were lacing shrooms. There was one guy that was in my school. Mm. He went into a coma 
and he became like his brain was they took mushrooms and they laced them with heroin like this is how insane they went just to save a few pennies that that's really just um it's just so awful to think about especially when you're you know why why fuck with mushrooms just leave, leave it alone man it works great uh and you know i from that perspective i understand that uh, drug dealers will do whatever it takes it's not just about money you know it's about um finding a uh, finding an ingredient that can get repeat customers heroin so that, yeah that would be the idea like mushrooms don't need heroin but if you put a little bit in there and the users discover that hey this is really good and i want it again and again and again you don't really like mushrooms don't do that to you you don't take them and then you say like oh man that was so physically appealing that um i i have urges for it yeah uh, psychologically are different you know that is something maybe we can talk about later on in the season like uh, there's different addiction factors i've spent 10 years studying that as well in the field that i'm in um and in a lot of ways they're like correlated from the plant-based solutions that i had discovered to realizing the problems that exist within uh within our uh, country and society um it uh, led me down a road to study it talk to thousands of people and begin um kind of trying to understand the levels of addiction and what i eventually came to the conclusion of is that for sure you have a physical you have a psychological uh an emotional dependency sometimes um it depends on the substance as well uh and of course it's not um it, it's not black and white it, it it's a very very difficult uh uh experience for so many people uh and what i've done over the years is tr- try to really educate as many people as possible on just addiction <laughs> right. in general like you know i had somebody come in here recently he's like man I'm vaping too much. I'm just this thing is in my mouth all day long, no pun intended. Um Amen, brother. <laughs> and uh I you know, I told him, "Well, look, you know, what you're using currently is, is a nicotine salt and the way that it stimulates the brain is different from a free base uh 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 you know, nicotine product uh that's uh tobacco derived. Uh they're all tobacco derived. Most of them are. Some of them are synthetic nicotine, but uh the way um the way a freebase interacts in the brain and binds to receptors uh is much more addictive that's why that didn't really take off that that really wasn't effective it didn't convert smokers but salt right i mean the thing is like i've been smoking i have uh, actually when i came back to the states you were one of the people that i switched to vapes after i was addicted to cigarettes for three years and it's interesting i vape more depending on my circumstances like for example if I'm at work I'm vaping 8 hours straight because no offense the assholes that call on the phone I have like zero patience to deal with them like I I this is I do for my job but like I get to point like I I cannot handle this so it's just like nonstop I know this and I understand this that if I'm put into certain situations you become you know like you need it but it doesn't necessarily apply for everyone and to say that that's a bad thing 
you might say that's a bad thing. I should probably use something else. However, that's the way that I've been dealing with it. Whether yeah, it be mean, like the most healthiest way. Yeah, it's a coping. It's a coping mechanism. Uh, the way you're describing it, but like this individual, he was he was trying to understand it. I did explain to him. I'm like, you know, the bottom line is is that the salt based does not uh, create physical symptoms. Nowhere near it. I mean, you. For some people, it might be different. You might feel some physical aspects to it, but it's mostly all psychological. And I, I've done numerous experiments and tests trying to uh, trying to really determine uh, the depth of that. But um, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a fascinating topic. It's something that I I was so interested in. But it tied in together, understanding what these things were and what they were going on, and then discovering plant based solutions that were. Uh, really helping uh, millions of people silently like there there are millions of people trying all kinds of things that we'll be discussing in this season uh, that are helping them and slowly but surely as the years had gone by some of these things have gone mainstream more people have discovered them to this day there's always somebody new discovering it and curious like can this help me um, and uh, unfortunately you just like we said in the beginning of the uh, uh, of the podcast, like there's a bureaucracy behind, behind it. There's things that we can't really say legally. We can't like regulations. Yeah, like there, there's nothing here in these solutions, these plant based solutions that uh, we can def definitively say like it can cure, treat or prevent illnesses like it does not. Um, but it's very difficult to avoid the fact or ignore the fact that you still have tens of millions of people who are improving the quality of life for themselves in one fashion or another um, and speaking very positive things about these things. Uh, and then, of course, you have synthetics, you have various different things. But still, if people are finding benefits, you know, that's a positive thing. Uh, if we're see if we're going to see a demographic of people who abuse things, uh, take it beyond where it needs to where it needs to go. And then that has repercussions. Uh, and that's really that's really kind of the start of it all. I was right. I mean, I we're gonna really intrigued. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna kind of we're not we can't go over everything. I mean, we're gonna go over primarily the most important things and the things that are the most important that people should know about. I mean, kind of where we're gonna be starting off is with cannabis. Uh, cannabis is, is is kind of like an umbrella term because there's a lot of components to cannabis, the way that it's manufactured, processed, its uses. Uh, you know, we will dive into it more in the next two episodes. Actually, David, he messaged me earlier. Uh, he said he can do the next two weeks, so we're going to have him coming on for that. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a he, he's a cannabis researcher, and he does analysis okay. as well, so it'll kind of be good. So you guys can also kind of hear his information from the field and kind of get that idea and perspective. Uh, you know, kind of having like a clear idea of how like all of it works, like that umbrella of cannabis and its operations, you know, like we mentioned, we'll cover all of it, but also focus a little bit more on the issues that people are constantly asking questions on and they don't really get real answers because it just, that's just the reality. So I, I think it's important if we're already taking this approach so that people are probably going to be listening to this and they're like, oh, I had a question. Maybe so we can kind of like 
be able to go over that as well. But I think Absolutely. that Absolutely. I mean, yeah. There are going to be there're going to be so many people that are misinformed or misled. I mean, you know, people will have questions and curiosities and uh, a great majority of uh the information out there, especially if you go to retailers like they don't know. They sell products. They, you know, they don't it's it's a different it's a different environment if you're seeking knowledge um and insight about something uh a lot of times a retailer is not the best place to do it i mean how right. informed, how informed are they do they even use the products oftentimes, right. I, I, right i told you i told you this before my mom she's she had a you know her she had a torn meniscus in her knee and she's had um cortisone shots and like the nine yards and my dad went to a pharmacy and he got cbd cream for my mom and that stuff was like 135 dollars yeah. and it didn't work and i checked it and i saw it said 100 hemp seed oil extract or something and uh <laughs> i remember reading an article that it's just you know that whole thing where they say that it has medicinal properties but it really is not because hemp is not in the same branch as cannabis but I remember when I came to you, I was like, okay, my mom is having problems with her legs. So I'm assuming a topical cream is going to make the most sense. And you gave me, I don't know the name of the company that you gave me. My mom has been taking it for the past year. She still has pain, but it's tolerable. Yeah. So, you know, my dad was misled, misled by a pharmacist because he thought that that was a legit product, but it turns out it's not. And you sell it for me for about fifty or sixty dollars. They were right. charging one hundred and thirty-five for false products, but I could yeah. be paying fifty or sixty for real product. Yeah, it's it's just mislabeled, uh, mislabeled uh, products. I mean, especially if we're talking about the uh, the introduction to um, you know uh, products in the cannabis world, as you know, many different states were going through trying to figure out how they would. Um, legislate it and uh, and allow the sales of it uh you know the biggest culprits are walmart and and amazon you'll find all kinds of hemp seed extract oil products tinctures topicals and they're you know they're all trash but you know for them as a, a as huge companies it's easier for them to participate uh with something that they know federally isn't going to get them into trouble versus you know actually getting something that is really um beneficial but may put them into a, a lot of hot Wait water a minute. isn't the it federal e government isn't it illegal in this country to if it says cbd that means that it needs to have the cannabinoids but it's not it's hemp seed extract oil so how are they able to label it as a cbd product if it's they just actually, they actually can't and more than likely what your dad bought it did not say cbd it probably said hemp cream or hemp uh topical uh this is it's a play on words they you know this is what they have to do to kind of bypass some of these things and they know they can do it legally um without getting into any trouble but uh you know you're asking about what the product was called just a quick plug anybody interested in this topical they can check it out you can check out arcsmokeshop.com the I'm going to put the link I'll put the link in the description I'm going to do that for each episode so you guys have a place to find and, the products we talk about and the product was called Exceptol X C E P T O L and it's a topical cream but this stuff is actually a patented formula with cannabidiol um and 
these guys were one of the first ones to figure out how to increase bioavailability penetration. And yes, the pain's not going to go away. It's still great that it's a little more tolerable. That's it's a good start. And um, even for your mom, like when the podcast is done, we can talk about uh, maybe uh, something else like uh, an ingestible because, that you know, dealing with the external is good. If you have an ingestible as well, that can take care of things internally. And maybe she can see a slightly better results from that as well. I don't know. But uh, ultimately, there's a shit ton of these products out there. And right. yeah, and you're proving you're proving a point, which is weird. We'll cover this, too. <clears throat> there's different products for different needs. It's the same thing with cannabis. Uh, I specifically you probably hear me all the time hitting my bong <clears throat> throughout the podcast, <laughs> but I specifically smoke medical grade. And the reason why I smoke medical grade is the type of strains that are available for medical grade. And especially the places I get it for have the properties that I need. Gotcha. You know, I, I, I need an indica that is intense to the point that I, I'm kind of, I need that intensity uh, for, for a lot of reasons, uh, mental reasons. I'm not going to get too personal, but you're right. I mean, it really like, you know, not always it's external. Sometimes you need something that's internal. You need to figure out what exactly works. You need a lower dosage of this or a higher dosage of this. We'll go over this, even though right. we don't have you specifically here, but we'll kind of explain how all of that works and how you can do that at home. Right. That's the whole point of having you know, a, a 10 episode season where it's not all condensed into like one in this specific intro of this episode. And we're just really doing a summary of all the variations of things that are out there. And uh, it, it's still really good um, to let people know like, hey, you know, this, uh, there is all kinds of solutions. This is why we're starting this way is there's many different things out there. We want to cover as much uh, as much of it as possible that uh, has made it to mainstream, and um, and then as we progress through the season, you'll be able to hear more about uh, a lot of the results that people are speaking about, how, what benefits that they're getting, whether it's cannabis mm. or otherwise. <laughs> but just like you said, um, and it made me wonder. You had mentioned um, uh, medical grade cannabis, so. What is uh, New York's current stance? Is it just medical or is it recreational now? Well, this is not from this is not from New York. This gotcha. cannabis is coming from Canada. Okay. So I, I get it from Canada. My I can't give out names, but my my dealer, she gets it from a supplier that's based in New is based in New York, but owns cannabis farms in um, in Canada. So you probably have realized this by now. New York doesn't really like anything. Like we talked about earlier, cryptocurrency is extremely difficult to deal with here in New York. Yeah. Cannabis is nearly impossible. CBD, untouchable. Like they do not like anything unless it's government and democratic. Yeah. Like if it has yeah, something yeah. to do with that, like they don't care. So yeah. To get medical grade cannabis here, you'd have to probably get it from New Jersey. I don't know anybody so, in New Jersey. So, so, so New Jersey definitely has laws in place for uh, for for cannabis currently, right? Yeah, I mean, New Jersey is a lot more. It's funny because we're both Democratic states, 
but New Jersey is very into advancements. They've invested in co-ops, Tesla, like electric cars, the cannabis industry, CBD products have boomed in New Jersey. It's very strange. We're very similar states, but we're polar opposites in regards to advancement um, within society, especially within the state. Very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It it is odd. Um, You would, you know, you would think um, you would think cannabis would have like I've I thought I've heard uh, proposals for New York. They legalized. Yeah, they fully legalized cannabis here in New York. Here's the problem. (coughs) The uh, government of New York says that the only way that um, dispensaries can legally sell recreational cannabis to customers is if they've been around for five years. (laughs) Here's the the problem. (laughs) There is no dispensaries in the entire state of New York. Yeah, I think there's like one or two. <coughs> How can you be established for five years if you don't allow them to? You don't establish even exist in the first place. Yeah, right. it's a it's a silly uh, it's a silly law. <laughs> you have to be you have to exist for five years. Like, okay, let me exist for even a day, so I can have the potential to exist for five years. I mean, it's it's really dumb, uh, and but I guarantee you, if you go and look. Who, who are the, uh, you know, who has um, interests or, you know, uh, ownership shares of those two, only two dispensaries of New York? I think you'd be probably incredibly surprised uh, of uh, some of those people involved in those projects. I know exactly who those people are. Excuse my friends, they're white alta cockers, <laughs> which <laughs> not being heavily against the old community, but unfortunately, there is this thing of these old white rich americans that it's like i don't wish death upon anyone it's like can you just drop dead already so you can just leave us the hell alone it's like this is not this is not the 40s you know like pearl harbor is a very long time ago (laughs) they're they're you know like it's not even a problem with bureaucracy anymore they're they're in such a old generation that none of their policies make any sense None of it. It's like, why is cannabis and CBD illegal? Because it's bad. But why is it bad? Why is it bad? Because we said so. But researchers have proven that it's not bad. No, but it's still bad. It's bad. It, it'll cut into our alcohol sales, oh which we have investments in. <laughs> I can promise you the people are smoking weed, are really keeping Blue Moon, Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors alive i don't know if oh you don't know do you know this people there is a weird phenomenon they don't haven't proven this yet some people they get cravings so there's one craving which they've seen kind of at a large portion of people people start having craving for beer not specifically for the alcohol content but specifically for the taste yeah i can believe that yeah so but what what stimulates that uh, that uh, desire? Um, it has to do with the fer- uh, ferment uh, fermentation process of beer. So generally, when you're craving things, when you're high, you're craving different senses. So like <laughs> salty chips, you want something salty, crunchy. Beer has that like fermented wheat, yeah, palate. 
I'm not gonna yeah. lie, I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it sounds it sounds great even now. <laughs> I, I you know I wish I can drink in the studio, but I can't. <laughs> Sorry, I won't. I I won't. I gotta drive. I, I won't do it. And tonight, tonight, tonight would be the worst night. It's it's Labor Day. You know, there's no way. But uh, yeah. So like, I mean, it is like you were saying. Like it, like it's, they're losing money for the alcohol uh, industry. But in a way, not really. And at the same time, I mean, it's it's heavily supporting Lay's and and all the uh the, and Pringles. Know, Burritos, oh, and, and Pringles, Oreos. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oreos, just saying, Oreos when you're high is a whole new level. They are like this another dimension of cookie. Yeah. I, I wish I could, man, but you know better than anyone. Like uh the, the ingredients in that thing are just um Oh uh, I know. Yeah, they're it's just uh disgusting. I know. But they're yeah. delicious. But they are yeah, but somehow they have this is the beauty of engineering. Like they they we have come to a point in uh, manufacturing of uh, foods that they can engineer uh, and test enough times to see like, okay, what, what, you know, what ingredients or combination of things can stimulate the brain in a way that would uh, keep you wanting to come back and finish that fucking bag today. So you don't eat one or two Oreos, you eat all three sleeves sometimes depending on the size of box you buy. You know, there's three or I, four I've noticed this. If I don't pay attention, I will overeat when I'm high. But um, I haven't... This is an interesting thing. So, <clears throat> specifically with cannabis, I, I saw a paper explaining why people tend to have crazy... You want to call it the munchies. You know, you're having munchies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> The reason is, is that all of our five senses work together as one. Now, the thing that you don't really notice is that all of your five senses are working at once. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Let's just say you're in front of the subway and you're waiting for a train. You see the sign. You hear the train. You smell the subway. And you can kind of taste the rat-infested, piss, homelessness, dirty. Of the subway. Subway. <laughs> so it's all five senses at once. When you're specifically dealing with cannabis, because of where it affects certain parts of your brain, and because certain parts, you know, your body kind of slows down a little bit, you start to focus on certain things. Now, can anyone guess what are the two strongest senses in the human body? Would it be uh would it be what taste and smell? T- taste, taste and, and touch? No, it's taste and smell. Yeah. I mean, but that that ties back into the 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 powerful um the powerful nature of just how they figured out to engineer food to make it so addictive. I mean, it's we were talking about this the other night, man. Um Blew me away just the shit you were telling me about what what's in what's in bread. Yeah, and uh, bread. Was... They put a cement binder uh, to keep it white and fresh. Uh, they use a form of formaldehyde in manufactured over manufactured uh, milk. There is a um, an, an edible, a, a food safe version of formaldehyde. Uh, now. 
but what parts per million you know like but the thing is that you're dealing you're you're dealing with formaldehyde so even though it's food grade it's food grade not for human consumption it's just food grade because it will kill you slower but uh there's also derivatives of rat poisoning that's used in uh forms of keeping foods like example uh, some canned goods have that um there's a lethal dose i forgot what it's called in cans that plastic lining that's inside there's a chemical that helps the drink stay fresh that's actually i think it was i think it was bpa probably yeah yeah i think it was yeah and then i remember there was a period of time where they're like this is bpa free now like you could have done this all along man yeah they don't care yeah (laughs) no well said yeah they don't care I mean, but apparently now, you know, they do, but incredibly poisonous stuff. And it was really interesting when you had mentioned just uh, in your travels of seeing the over the over regulation of uh, food in Europe, let's say. And that was really fascinating. And I learned a lot from that alone, uh, just understanding that in in Europe, they're just taking a stronger stance on how they're uh, producing food, um, milk bread everything the weird you, thing is, is like when you're in <clears throat> when i was in israel and i came back to the states and i can still picture it milk in israel is very creamy and it's very sweet come here to america it just tastes like muddy like you know just cloudy water i'm serious yeah, that's yeah, what milk yeah. tastes like just cloudy water yeah just cloudy water but yeah. in in europe it's like you can actually just sit there with a glass of milk that's a really really like precise way of describing it like just cloudy water it's so watered down yeah i mean maybe, maybe that's a that maybe that's a, another way to um uh, uh expand production right like maximize production of, of the milk instead of like giving you pure they're like hey let's water down this we can instead of getting a hundred cartons we can get a million cartons you said this also before going back to with cannabis that they are making it less uh they're low i think things are like they're lowering the thc level so it's not as strong as it was it's the opposite uh the raising yeah in in los angeles it's the opposite thc levels are skyrocketing cannabinoid levels are non-existent at some point you will see the uh you know even that kind of change too I, I I foresee down the road that, you know, legislation will come out and say, you know what, weed's too strong. We're we're going to start regulating this. People are getting way too high on this stuff. And then your weed's going to turn into crap. Um, uh, but as of now, what they have done is effectively reduce cannabinoid levels to, you know, nothing, which are... I would say very beneficial. There's a reason why it, when you grow weed, it, it encompasses all of it. Um, and But you're getting very high THC levels. And when it flips 10 years down the road, they'll be like, oh my God, there's so many problems related to this. Uh, with THC levels being this high, we have to regulate it. Something, some, something very similar happened to the edible industry here. Um, like back in the day, two, three years ago, when you went into a dispensary, you can buy a thousand milligram brownie. That's not allowed anymore. And there's been very strict regulation to uh, to make sure proper dosage 
is documented, um, that they're very precise, so nobody can uh, overtake them accidentally. Um, but it also forces you to buy multiple, whereas before you would buy one thousand milligram brownie and you knew what to expect. You're like, I'm going to eat, you know, eat half of this, and I know what I'm getting, and you potentially get a better right, price. With, with brownies, <clears throat> with brownies, everything is proportionalized. Uh, that that's also see this is also the problem I've noticed especially with the edibles gummies brownies the the portion size are no longer normal because I, I you know I I've made brownies before I've had brownies before and I always remember like it's very intense and very strong you get the piece <laughs> very you strong cut, <laughs> you cut it up into little quarters and then you're done but like when you buy these brownies you have one piece that you primarily cut up into quarters but it's the effect of one quarter. I, like, I, I, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's like now it's less. You're right. Like, you have to buy more. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it's more expensive. So, like, that 500 milligram brownie now, you know, is nearly the cost of a thousand. And you still have to buy two instead of just the one. Um, and, you know, it'll continue this way. It's just uh, the game they play. But mm. um, and it's just one facet of uh, like cannabis, right? And we know uh, through through the years of all this, and we will discuss more in in the later episodes uh, relating to cannabis. That like you have all these derivatives of cannabis, as they have reduced the cannabinoids in the weed that people can purchase, which used to exist under the medical laws, but now you're not entitled to the uh, to to it under the recreational law. Um, yeah, they've been separated. You want a, a CBD flower that's predominantly CBD and much less THC. You can buy that, but it's a separate. It's a different product, and in a lot of ways, Italy. You gotta add- uh, Italy took this approach. Actually, they didn't legalize cannabis, but they legalized CBD, and the CBD market in Italy boomed. Like I was there in 2018, and they were figuring out different CBD flowers for. Diff, like very specific things like one was for uh, memory, one was for taste. They would have ones that would help with sleeping. Yeah. And it was just like, this is Italians. Like the second they had like the government was like, okay, CBD is legal. Go. Go. And they just yeah. like, bam, they got like, they figured out, they got the chemist. This, it's nuts. It, but they, you know, they also had at that point, they'll have access to the, you know, to um, industry pioneers from like the West who have already been doing it. And then they, they have a, a kind of a, uh, you know, uh, a plan that they can execute on that or has already existed. Most right, of the, but most the thing of that is, research like, has already been done here. Right. But the thing is they were, they, when they legalized CBD, it was an open policy. There was yeah. regulation, but it was an open policy yeah. where research was legal. Um, experimentation was legal. Yeah, farming became fully legal. Like the problem here is, it's state by state. Right. Italy has different areas, provinces, farmlands, whatever, but they all follow the same guidelines. So you don't have that restriction process. The problem is, you have a business here in the United States. If they're located in Colorado, they can't sell anywhere else besides the state of Colorado. Right. But if they want to sell in other states, they'll have to get another business in the state of California that will use their name and hopefully right. continue their same practices, which we both know it's not going to happen. You're not going to get the same quality. 
Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, there's definitely a way. Um, and, and we did talk about this, like uh, 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 Dan Bilzerian got caught up with his Ignite CBD brand um, for distribution across state lines. And he didn't have the right, um, uh, I want to say, distribution um, network to, to be able to do that. Uh, the right type of uh, licensing and backing from state to state. Uh, and they got him on that. Um, I think it damn near bankrupted him. Uh, but, you know, you had mentioned in Italy, like they, they had some for, you know, for, for various purposes. I wanted to expand on that um, just briefly that like, you know, all the cannabinoids that they may have been experimenting with um, through, um, through Italy um, in those CBD products, like you mentioned one for memory, you mentioned various ones, just, just the three that I can talk about and we'll talk about more in the later episode is yes, you have cannabidiol. That's the CBD. And that, uh, that has been shown that many people are seeing benefits from for various different applications. But then you mentioned memory. Well, that's CBG. And, and that, that helps, uh, like cognitive and brain health. Um, yeah, but doesn't CBG uh, fall under the CBD umbrella? Yeah, but they they've managed to separate these compounds. This the, all of these would have been available in let's say medical marijuana, just traditionally grown, not not you know not uh, not engineered differently, not manipulated in any way. Uh, so then you you had the CBG product. Uh, afterwards, you know you're having problems with sleep. Well, CBN was that particular compound promote that promotes sleep. All of this is found in cannabis if you just grew it without manipulation. So CBN typically uh, is activated when you burn cannabis at a very certain temperature. It's activated and that's where you get that burnout feeling where you feel really tired after you've smoked. You're really drowsy like that's that's what's occurring. So it's really interesting. Just even the uh, the genetic manipulation or separation of these compounds, like how they may have approach doing that and yes of course we'll, I mean, we're gonna, we'll dive into that too yeah i mean we're gonna also talk about like i i didn't really know too much about these like kratom kava shilajit which i found out was from mountain rock which is kind of interesting uh very expensive i was yes, like whoa three hundred dollars yeah. oh boy it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of money that's why uh, I, I, I was interested in carrying it, but then I'm like, I don't, I don't have a clientele for this yet, and um, uh, generally adoption takes a while. So like, even if I did buy it, I'm, I'm sitting on that investment for a long time until I develop a, uh, a you know, cult following for that. So it's like a lot of money up front, and you're just kind of promoting and you're waiting for the right people that really are interested in this, or that you, you know, meet people who are experiencing something that you feel like this might this might you, benefit them what do you do with it do you i mean, from I mean what so what, from what i've heard um a lot of people that uh do they just just eat it you know they break off a portion they can you know take it uh like a, a capsule some some people will just have it before a meal uh before bed i mean it, it's nothing nothing new or nothing different um, I haven't heard of people smoking it. It's a, it's like a type of resin. Um, and, and I know that there are different types. There's very, very few, um, dis uh, distributors involved 
in Shilajit, probably again relating to cost. I mean, also a lot of it has to do with, from what I was researching, it, Shilajit is very like region specific. Right. Be- believe it or not, actually, a lot of medicinal plants are region specific. Like uh, we were talking about kava. Kava yeah. is specific to the specific islands in the Pacific Ocean, like Hawaii, and it yes. grows in specific lava rock ground where it's very wet not wet where like it's swampy wet but wet where the ground itself is kind of humid it's like damp yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> probably Which, the, uh, probably great conditions for it to grow i mean that's yeah exactly why. and yeah. then the really interesting thing is is like this plant also has this kind of property that we're it's kind of saturated in one place and you have this again like medicinal property not medicinal plant uh that has these healing capabilities the point i'm trying to make out of all of this is we have all different types of medicinal plants it just happens to be that cannabis is the most famous one because cannabis is quite easily able to grow you can't grow kava in a new york west side apartment Right. I mean, you can grow cannabis in a New York West Side apartment. Yeah, you can. It won't be that easy, but yeah, like it's doable. It's right. Still right. It's not- but, it's, but, but in regards to medicinal plants, most of them are re- regional specific. Right. Whereas cannabis is more adaptable. Yes, it's more difficult, but you can adapt no, it. No, not, not more difficult, but just like it still has difficulty, you know, um, uh, uh, levels to it. Um, in that environment, but yes, if you did indoor, you can, you know, and you knew what you're doing, it's uh, it'll grow. Um, but uh, still, with their their difficulties, a learning curve, uh, uh, depending on where you are. In New York, it's colder, and then in the summer, it's incredibly hot and humid. So, uh, indoor would be the most sensible approach. Uh, but again, like there's going to be very, uh, I want to say, innovative people out there. There's going to be people in new york right now listening they're like i beg to differ you know i make it work all year round because they found you know they found a way or right but a lot of it's genetics too right but the thing is like in regards to medicinal plants most people generally know what cannabis is because of that ability but whereas there's other medicinal plants that are not very well spoken about there's not that much research that's done about there's not that many companies that are investing into them Kratom I've heard of. I've heard that it's actually starting to become bigger and bigger. I don't know yeah. why specifically. You'll probably go into that in... Yeah, we'll talk more about it. I mean, government's trying to ban it right now. The The billions of dollars spent lobbying against it by the pharmaceutical companies for the last six years are, you know, should be uh, should be evidence enough that it's, it's a serious contender to... Um, a lot of um, a lot of what they generally offer. They're they're losing tens of billions of dollars um, uh, to something, uh, an alternative to like Kratom. And um, there's been great documentaries about it. And in later episodes, as we break them up, because the next few will be cannabis and CBD. The ones after will be, you know, the Kava and the Shilajit and then the Kratom. And in each one of these sections of, of the season, we'll discuss like, uh, again, the communities involved, the uh, what what people are saying about their benefits, what what are they experiencing, um, 
you know, Kratom's a, an incredible, you know, Southeast Asian plant. Uh, again, like you said, a lot of these have been around for so long. Um, discovering them now uh, is, uh, I want to say, just inevitable. We're more connected. The, the internet makes it more possible to share uh, information at lightning speed. Um, but think about, um, think about psychedelics, you know, psychedelics became very popular in the United States during the sixties. And it's not because, you know, Americans wanted to have drugs. It's because Americans started to connect to other places and we learned, Oh, there's something called LSD. Where can we get this? It's legal. <laughs> So they're able to get LSD. Shrooms was kind of the same thing. Ayahuasca was the same story as well. Like we we learned about these things, and now it's become become a part of our culture. Uh, that you know we'll go over this more and more and kind of explain everything. But the overall summary and understanding of the direction we're going is medicinal plants has been around for God knows how long. The question forever. forever. The question now is, with the technology we have, the advancement in medical research, how far can we take these not only to make things that can heal, but also take away that kind of crutch a lot of people have on medications because this is their only solution? I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, th this is how they've been. Uh, this is how they've been programmed, you know, uh, through uh, many, many decades. That uh, you know, you trust your doctor. You don't question him. I mean, now uh, if we look at what's happening, less uh, there's more people questioning their doctors, and they don't fucking like it. You know, like I, they're they're, and I've seen this so many times. Like they are the doctor, they are the professional, and they're supposed to have a fiduciary duty to take care of you. Um, uh, with your best interests in mind, but it's uh, that hasn't been the case for de you know a number of decades, and they uh, they do overprescribe, they do uh, take money to uh, to um, uh, push certain drugs that uh, pharmaceutical companies are uh, trying to get out and roll out. I mean, the you know back in the day to get to get a drug patented and approved, you know took many years of trialing you know large large groups of people that but now the the fastest way however way they were able to bypass regulation the fastest way is to convince a doctor to be like hey you have these types of patients awesome the more you prescribe it the more data we can get and the more money we'll give you as a result so, i mean it's a it's it's the same story with the the pill Birth control. Yeah. Uh, you know, you. I've spoken to many women about it. There's always mixed reviews. It's good and it's bad. It's bad and it's good. But it's a pill that stops from you from getting pregnant. However, it comes with something in return. Yeah. It works. Yeah. But you're sick. You're moody. You're hot. You're cold. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what else prevents pregnancy? Condoms. Condoms, yeah. And it's proven to work. <laughs> well, 90... Was it 97? Or 
I don't remember. There's like there's like a two or three percent chance that it won't work. Yeah, but, but that's a very small percentage in comparison yeah. to how well it will work. So I'll take those percentages. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, far better to use something like that uh, than to be uh, negligent um, and not use it and bring a child into the world that like you really have no intention of uh, doing your best to raise um, and uh, take accountability for that decision uh, and or potentially ruining your chemical makeup internally from uh, from the pill, which this is what we hear. I mean, the stories are coming out. You can read more about it and we'll probably uh, do more research and discuss it too. But um, that's what it's doing is internally it's changing some of the, the chemical, you know, hormonal structures that would normally occur um, cyclically once a month. Um, and it's preventing them from actually occurring. Well, that does have a side effect. What over a long period of time, five years, 10 years, I mean, we'll, we're yet to see exactly what those results may look like, though I'm sure there are cases now, but no one will say or attribute it directly to the pill. No, you know, no doctor is going to take that leap of faith and be like, hmm, we, you know, we think that it's probably because you've been taking birth control pills for the last 10 years that you have this illness or that you have this, you know, hormonal um, um, deficiency or something in, in your body. So, yeah, I, there, there's a there's a ton of things, man. Um, just best best uh, advice is be fucking responsible in, in that regard. And then, of course, you know, moving, you know, moving on, like we have nootropics and that's something a little bit newer i mean um it's uh last 20 years people call them designer drugs some people call them um uh research chemicals uh you drugs, know uh, can, drug supplements you know, yeah like dietary supplement i mean they're all those things these are just labels but they are all those things and um some of it useful you said you were doing some research you discovered a lot of negativity about it a um, lot yeah i mean yeah it's uh these are people who abuse these things oftentimes this is where a lot of the uh the negativity comes from is like you use something it works great you love the effect of it and then you tend to use it too much and now you've you're creating a a serious problem in your life that didn't exist before uh it, it's it's the old it's the old saying of just uh everything in moderation um when we talk about research chemicals like they're you know these are things that are being worked on and developed and they're trying to find you know ways that they can be useful um and you you know if you put it into the market without a whole lot of study it's difficult but we can make a comparison to let's say the pharmaceutical industry yes they have more hoops to jump through to get patents to get uh, approvals um uh, especially as uh, as they are pharmaceutical companies, they, they can't yeah, just you, you they can't just release something as a dietary supplement. Like, right, they can't do that. I mean, but, if we're talking if we're talking about, for example, like with nootropics, <laughs> there are everybody knows this. There's ketamine. Ketamine is a pharmaceutical pill. There's um, oxycotton. Oxycotton is another one. Percocets, uh, hydrocodone, all of these things. They're all drugs that people use. I mean, shit, like, you know how many people go to parties and get, you know, just downing ketamine? I mean, 
Yeah. It's it it happened. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of those people. Yeah. But you know, you're kind of like attacking this. I I get it. You know, it has this kind of thing. But you're making Percocet, oxycodone. These things are heavily addictive, and they really mess with you. Dear God, have mercy. But yeah. You know, like if you're you're like you're coming out and fighting against nootropics, but you're making Percocets, painkillers, all of these. It, it's kind of like an a, a they're, they're not hypocrisy. The same thing. They're not the same thing, but you know the argument there is that like you know you have research chemicals here in the nootropics, uh, uh, you know, arena. But I would you know my my argument to that is like you know a lot of the stuff going on in the pharmaceutical arena, like all that's research too. And so a lot of it is chemical. They're not. They're not necessarily. Um, they're not necessarily uh, derived from something natural. Not. Not always. Uh, you know, a good example of this is for. Uh, you know, with with kratom. One of the largest pharmaceutical companies took one out of the 25 alkaloids found in kratom and patented that. So that gives them exclusive um, manufacturing and distribution. Uh, but, you know. In what makes them think that taking the one alkaloid that they have found to be the most effective in the brain um, and excluding the rest is going to be effective, you know, widely? There's a reason why a plant, just like cannabis, let's say, with its cannabinoids, there's a reason why a plant would encompass all these things. Um, there, you know, some are going to be a little more active than others. You have 25 of these things, and more study is required. Um, in a similar, you know, in a similar context, we can uh, we can look at uh, cannabis as well, right? Like they're manipulating and changing uh, something that was natural that would normally encompass all these cannabinoids, and they're finding, you know, ways to uh, increase THC levels exponentially, but not giving you any of the other benefits that cannabis would normally have. Where, well, where did they decide that? you know, uh, through their research that this was the right thing to do. Well, in a lot of ways. Yeah, David was talking about this and we kind of have a view of it called farmer's markets. You know, there are a lot of people where they don't want to get all that crap from the grocery store. Well, great, there's, there's a solution. It's called a farmer's market. If cannabis was legal to a point where anybody can grow it, you can have kind of like you have your local farm yeah. you yeah, can have your local market, yeah. yeah you can have your own like weed weed market uh where you have just simple growers got a small little two by nothing and they're making their own little thing yeah. so you, you kind of have like the i guess the quote unquote organic and like the non-organic of cannabis we yeah. haven't gotten there yet we will get there and then we'll be but like that won't matter but that won't matter anyways. Believe it or not, right now, people think they're getting, you know, um, you know, you're buying a sativa and you think it's a sativa or you're buying an indica and, you, and you're under the uh, impression that it's a full indica. And, uh, you know, the the crossbreeding has, uh, has occurred so prevalently in the industry that... You mean uh, hybrids? The, they're all hybrids. They might have a little more dominance of one over the other, but they are all hybrid at this point. And so the same would be said about 
um, you know, fruits and vegetables. Like you can have these farmers markets where you think that, like, yeah, you know, this is completely organic. It's never I been, mean, okay, never been sprayed. So, but it it did derive from a clone of something that you took. Let's say you bought it at Home Depot or Lowe's or Osh or whatever the uh, the uh, the location may have been. Well, genetically speaking, like that still came from somewhere that was more than likely. Um, spliced from something that has already existed, that's already been treated a certain way. Okay, so, so I I agree with you, but there's a there's a difference, especially when dealing with fruits and vegetables. Uh, carrots are an example of this. Over time, with farmers, originally carrots were extremely heavy on the stomach. Most people could not eat more than a half a carrot because it was just there were certain compounds in it that was just the body could not process. But as farmers constantly develop the carrot over time, yeah. we got the edible fruit that we, we edible vegetable that we have now. Tomatoes are another scenario of this. I do agree with you, but if we didn't have this process of allowing them to become edible, we wouldn't be able to eat them. Potatoes are another one. Po- potatoes were once poisonous, but they became less and less poisonous as the agriculture changed and figured out different ways of working with it. But so that's, I mean that that's a good and positive thing, right? Like we wouldn't have food if they didn't correct conduct, conduct the research. But um, they are know, clones. Food. These are clones of something that once was poison, but no longer is. So what but we have is, now is edible. But the the point I was making was to try to um, see the distinct the the distinct difference between like when you say this is completely organic from a farmer's market and this one isn't because it's from a major that, that, market. That's why but I did the but, that's why I did the chances, quotes. Yeah. Chances are, you know, it, they're they're all coming from the very same clones um, and they they have been, you know, uh, affected in a very similar way. Like you may have taken this clone of, a, of let's say, uh, you know, sp- a, a spinach plant or a, uh, or a basil plant and then um or you 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 know i've seen people do this like basil is probably the easiest you can take uh you can take a, a trimming of a, of a basil and then you know s- uh, sprout its roots and then plant it and it'll grow well you know that's not organic because originally whatever you took it from that's what you're growing you're, you've taken those genetics and you're reproducing it but it's not organic you know sim- saying that it is still doesn't make it so i mean um, the even, whole even organic sorry even organic in california isn't natural isn't necessarily so it's just a play on words they do spray it they do use pesticides but one month before harvest they'll flush they'll stop spraying one month before harvest they'll start flushing and try to get those uh those chemicals out as much as possible but it's still in there so, but they can call it organic, quote unquote. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, like, in regards to like medical grade cannabis. <clears throat> if anyone's curious, why specifically people are usually jump when they hear the word medical cannabis is specifically where they come from. Medical grade primarily is made for medical purposes, you know, for different types of products, etc. So, you might ask yourself, well what's the other form of cannabis? Well, there's other forms of cannabis that's sold in the market, but they're all primarily the same. There really is no difference. 
I prefer medical because I know where it's coming from and I know what I specifically need. Could I find that in something else that wasn't medical? Probably. But it's kind of the same thing with organic and non-organic. Why would you choose not, you know, organic when it's the same as the non-organic? Well, the thing is, even though it is quite similar and it could be coming from the same places, at least you know that there's less hands that's been placed to put that product in your hand to begin with. So you buy fruits and vegetables from a shop, right? Or Kroger's. Well, there's Kroger's International. They have their children, slave children that are farming out in Indonesia. Uh, you know, they have their corporations and everything. By the time you're done, you have about 700 people responsible for just putting apples in that Kroger grocery store compared to a local grocery store Probably three, four people, maybe five. But you know, chances, the chances are they came from the same farms, though. Not necessarily depends. Like, yeah, for example, but the chances are, you know, still pretty good. I mean, even smaller farms, if they're not growing them or smaller grocery stores that are picking them up, like they, you know, this is why Kroger is international because because they, they have um made substantial efforts and investments to control the um, the agriculture industry in a form that they can do the majority of distribution um, nationally or internationally. So you might be a small grocery store, but does it make sense for you uh, and from a business point of view, right? If you're the grocery store owner, you're, you're like looking at, do I go with this small farm and try to get what I can get, but the, but the supply is so limited, it's ex incredibly expensive, or do I be competitive and give the contract to Kroger who can provide the supply because they have massive quantities and they already have those contracts with the much larger farms. I mean, at the end of the day, no one really is going to know for sure where it came from. And no one's asking, like, you want an apple? We have apples, 99 cents a pound, you know? Uh, that was 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, okay, $2.99 a pound. <laughs> yeah, that, that's more really. I mean, like, I, you're from Cal, you're in California. California's known for strawberries. I mean, I'm here in New York and we're known for apples. Uh, primarily when you buy apples here in the state of New York from, you know, like the local places usually coming from the farms i know this because they have the uh they have the apple it's hilarious they have in new york they have like the u-haul trucks but they're apple farm trucks and yeah. it's like you expect to have like the u-haul like badge on it but instead it's just like like the allison's new york farm and it's like this random white couple like with the sun and you know the horizon and you're just like yep this is not Kroger. This is some schmuck that's in his 80s that still is holding on to his, like, one apple farm, like, five hours away from me. I like, mean, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's uh, but at the same time, it's even those small farms have uh, have those same contracts with with Kroger because, you know, why, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, when you know that they're going to be the biggest purchaser, like for the apple state. I mean, literally, it, where do you think most apples come from? So th think of it this way, you know, like a small farmer, and this is the same in the cannabis industry, a, a small apple farmer um, 
with a very limited space or agriculture space can only grow so much. And if they can be effective and actually have a great harvest, do they want to sell it apple by apple to very small places? Or is it more profitable and faster and less wasteful to unload it on Kroger, who's going to be like, we're going to we're going to undercut you, you know, but we're going to buy all of it. Right. It's the same. It's just, yeah. It's the same thing in in California. I mean, since it became rec- recreationally legal, like they've been doing it, they've been selling to large dispensary companies. You know, uh, Ease, which is delivery yeah. service, they're is- one of the culprits for this. Yeah. Like, it's funny because like I remember when I was with Carissa, like we we just wanted cheap weed. We were like we came back on vacation and like. They have stuff there that's like, whoa, like seven grams. Yeah. And it's like 30, 40 bucks. I mean, it's it's garbage. Like It's garbage weed, yeah. But you know that. Like, we knew it was garbage weed. But like, seven grams? But Yeah. I, I've tried it before. I'm guilty of it. I mean, uh, in fact, I um, uh, in their early years, their weed was a lot better when they first uh, came on the market. And I did partner up with them. So if you are, uh, uh, you know using them it's like back then it was better over time it hasn't i also partnered up with grassdoor.com so it's like if you are in california and you want to save 25 percent on your first order use coupon code arc a-r-k and you'll save you know and their weed was better just a few years ago and that's gone downhill too um that, that you know it's the competition aspect it's like well uh and ease and grassdoor they both partner up with dispensaries, legitimate ones, but because of the way things have been developed, uh, like through uh, legislation, everything has to be prepackaged. Most of this shit sits around for a while, and um, and when there is little product on the market or all the good shits going to one buyer, you're you're kind of left with the rest. So you're like, whatever, man. I'll take whatever I can get. I can't I can't not have. Hence the, 30, hence the 30 hence the $40 seven gram bags of weed yeah they, they need something to sell so you know those dispensaries are buying what they can I, I know people in the cultivation industry and distribution industry and you know these people will buy you know if you approach them with 50 pounds of weed uh, here they call them packs so 50 packs you know um, they'll buy it all if, if it fits their criteria they know they need to sell it anyways. And they're not going to ask too many questions if it passes majority of the the lab testing and all. If they do that, we hope they do. Um, they're going to buy all 50 and they're going to unload it as fast as possible. Um, weed is a little bit more difficult, but it's the same idea even with fruit and vegetables. Like you don't want to sit on it too long. It goes bad. So if your small farm produced something, it's much easier to unload it um, to one buyer rather than to try to get 10 or 20 buyers and uh, uh, and then, you know, sit on it for long periods of time and seeing it spoil. Yeah. So, so the, the weed is the very same thing, like sell it yeah. to one buyer or try to find 10 buyers that will buy various quantities. But then as you're waiting for 10 buyers, you know, it just goes stale and it loses its potency. And if you don't have the right methods to keep it fresh, you're kind of screwed. And, um, and this is where we see such a huge um, factor in like diminished quality. Uh, it's just the weed's been sitting for so long. That's why they're 40 bucks, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 
Oh wow! I mean, we've been we've been going for this a while. Um, well, this is pretty much the introduction to what we're going to be covering. Like, well, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to be having a guy by the name of David Putvin, uh, who's a cannabis reacher that will be joining us the next two episodes. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Lost in the Groove. As always, we always have fun. It's been great. Kind of got lost in the groove. Uh, make sure to check out our Patreon page at Lost in the Groove. Uh, we have a link that will be put down below. Thank you so much for our sponsor, Anchor. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. <laughs>